Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Whether it's the Jazz, Utes, Cougars, or Aggies. These guys have got you covered. I need fellas. You're locked on to Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. One, two, three. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com. and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson, thank you for making us part of your day. Let's get out to the Smart Rain special guest line. Smart Rain state-of-the-art irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% off your commercial properties. Water costs are called 877-346-3333. Of course, he's my co-host for Jazz Pre, half and post-game coverage. He's our friend, Coach Tim McComb. What's going on, Coach? Little Aerosmith to bring me in. Today. Pretty good. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Pretty Little good. Little ragdoll. Megan's on top of it. Megan's, yeah. All, yeah she's, she's. I was, mean, right from my high school era, like 86, 87. How like, old are you? Man. <laughs> I'm really old, buddy. I'm old. I was born in 86. Uh, yeah. I've got you by a couple, bud. Dude, Ben is mean, Tim. Now, I don't know if you knew this, but he is mean. That, that Until noon. Uh, I soften up after That noon. wet bandits thing was just the tip of the iceberg. Oh, man. Like a shot across the bow early to the wet bandits, and then <laughs> now he goes at my age, which is fine. I, the best part about that is, you know, just wait a bit. You'll be old, too, soon. Uh, so I know uh, we're going to talk jazz, but I'm going to start out uh, talking a little soccer with you because uh, you uh, you've known Ryan Smith longer than well certainly I have, uh, and uh, in your connection with BYU and uh, have, have worked with him and seen what he's done with the Jazz. What did you think about the news yesterday that he's part of this ownership group that bought RSL? Well, I think it fits, you know, kind of aligns with his purpose. He really sees how great Utah is. You know, he wants to. Um, continue to broaden Utah's reach and I mean awesome way to do that you know bring in a bunch of uh, excitement and you know it's an international game so I think that that's definitely something that's probably intriguing Um, but you know loves competition loves to see success and you know can only be good for for RSL to have a new new path with Ryan involved. How's he viewed at BYU? You probably have a better sense of this because it's not like he's shy that he's a huge BYU guy, but he is not the face of it the way he is with the Jazz or might now be with RSL. 
Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, you know, he's around. He, he does a good job of just being really good, really supportive when he can. Um, you know, I kind of know where he sits at the BYU game, so I always kind of look for him on TV if, if he's, and he's usually there if there isn't a jazz game. So he does a nice job of supporting. Um, he was great to us. You know, kind of a funny story. My daughter and I watched the the BYU Hail Mary game uh, against Nebraska. We watched that in his theater with him. A um, bunch of people were supposed to show up, and it only ended up being us. And uh, you know, day we'll never forget. But really fun to. But he's passionate about it for sure. He loves he loves his BYU stuff. Switching gears to the jazz. <clears throat> Excuse me, the jazz. Ugh. Hey, hey. You graduated in 86. Jake is just getting to high school, <laughs> though. Just getting Jake's there. a high school intern. Jake graduated in, or he's, he's going to graduate yeah. in 27. Uh, Coach, our, our word of the night last night was adapt. Felt like the jazz really adapted well. Yeah, I thought so. I mean, um, you know, we watched them every night. It was definitely a challenge. And we were a little skeptical going in, I think. Well, you just look at the sheer numbers when Rudy and, and Hassan have not been on the floor. Uh, the Jazz were minus 30 over that time. So, yeah, and then you're, you you figure in a whole bunch of stuff. You know, Doak getting uh, the opportunity to play for the first time in a long time against, you know, arguably one of the greatest players on the planet. So a lot of things stacked against them, but they just figured it out. And they played a little bit different defensively. They, they kind of figured out offensively, you know, more of a five out. And um, it was fun. It was fun to watch the small lineup work. I, I thought, and maybe this is a little unprofessional of me because we're just supposed to be black and white watching the games. I thought it was the most enjoyable game of the season. I, I just enjoyed the storylines. Quinn Snyder, after the game, called it the most unique win of the season when Sarah Todd kind of asked him to rank it. I, I just thought it was a fun game to watch and watch teams figure out how to win games in a different way. Yeah, it's it's it is weird because we have we've had a few of those where, you know, what you expect, you know, from a game, and, and the normal faces aren't there, and it does bring a little bit of variety, but you know, it adds it adds a little challenge. It's almost kind of like leveling up on a on a video game, um, trying to do something you haven't done. It's um, it's definitely more intriguing than just kind of status quo. But I think there's also, you know, from a coaching perspective, I think there's a lot of, of good that can come from it. I think a lot of guys got a little more than they normally get. And on a team that, you know, they've got so many scores and there's only one ball, you know, even in a tough situation, they made the best of it. And, and that speaks well to success. I mean, I think you look for a little, I don't know, you look for little signs along the way that say, hey, this team, this team really can take another step. And I think, the fact that they've they faced adversity really well this year and um you know and the fact that they've been road warriors too they've figured out a way to win um you know 10 games in a row on the road is pretty amazing so why is that do you think coach and i know you're not out on the road with the team but you've certainly been uh, around a lot of teams in your history why do you think this team is better on the road you know you can you could definitely can figure out a way to gain strength as a team from from being out there i know listening like we do after games to hear guys talk about, you know, the words I've heard are fork, excuse me, focus. And, and definitely there's been a whole lot of focus, um, perhaps even more so than being at home. You know, there's been talk of you're at home, there's distractions, people, and especially around, you know, the holiday time. So 
I think the, this team has figured out a way to kind of get a mentality. And I don't know, it's, it's something that develops. You can't force it. And it, it's got to come naturally. But I think that this team definitely has kind of um, looked a little bit different. Like even, you know, in the beginning of games and the way they start games and look in their eye, um, it, it just seems like they're a little bit more locked in on the road. And, you know, you got to win. You got to win at home. You got to win on the road. The Jazz do a nice job of winning at home overall. But I, I won't argue with a team that goes out and, and approaches the road like they've done because. Uh, like I say, I think it's just one of those signs that said, hey, this team's ready to take another step along the process. I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist or read into too much here that, that doesn't exist, but it, it does seem strange to me that Daniel House hadn't signed with anybody, really other than one 10-day with the Knicks. The Jazz had talked quite a bit about the contingency plans that they'd worked out to sign players when you know COVID finally hits the locker room. Joe gets sick. Mieoni gets traded, and the next day they've got Daniel House, and they're kind of already, you know, it was ready to go. Is there a chance they kind of invested that, hey, maybe Daniel House could be a longer-term piece here for this season if he can come in and work out a 10-day, on his 10-day deal with the Jazz? He seems to be, you know, at least from my experience and watching him, and I know it's fluctuated, and he's had, you know, he had issues in the bubble with uh, compliance and that sort of thing. But when you look at it, really, um, and... I talked to David Locke last night a little bit about it, and he kind of reached out to some people in the league. You know, guy can make shots, um, and, and especially you got to figure in, like, the spacing he'll have with the Jazz would be more similar to the spacing he had with the Rockets, you know, where he's a corner guy and the ball finds him and the Jazz are so unselfish. Um, I think he's really good out in transition. I think I remember him all the time in those series, you know, hanging from the rim in transition. And then, uh, you know, the one piece that I think he brings is a little bit of length and tenacity on the defensive end. I mean, he's not a, he's not a you know, complete lockdown defender by any stretch, but when you consider what the Jazz are working with on the perimeter and what he would be able to bring, I think it is a little bit different. So I'm actually pretty high on the move. Um, like you, I don't, I don't really know the ins and outs. Uh, the timing does seem interesting. And uh, I think there is more, you know, I think we'll see more of him. If, if I had to guess, I think we'll, we'll see more of him than just a 10-day deal. All right, guys, we have a little bit of, uh, I guess this isn't quite breaking news, but we have the, the first returns from All-Star Voting, which just came out a few minutes ago. And uh, for Western Conference front court, Rudy Gobert sits ninth. Behind LeBron, Jokic, Paul George, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, Anthony Davis, Carl Anthony Towns, Carmelo Anthony, and then Rudy, <laughs> one spot, one spot in front of uh, DeAndre Ayton, and then for guards, Donovan is uh, comes in seventh behind Steph Curry, Luca, John Morant, Clay Thompson, Devin Booker, and Chris Paul. Donovan's in front of Damian Lillard, Russell Westbrook, and Anthony Edwards. Uh, any thoughts, Coach? Not not surprising, right? It's a popularity contest. Um, if if you, I think if you pulled the coaches, it'd be completely different, right? But it, it is the nature of the NBA. There's entertainment, major entertainment portion, and um, but uh, certainly way low for for what I think those guys have done this season. Hey, I, I get Clay Thompson ranking uh, fourth in guards. It makes a lot of sense. It makes sense. Yeah, so he's I mean, played well he's this had, year. I think he's had the right mindset and. Um, 
you know, when he does shoot, he, I think it'll go in. When, when we see him on the court, I think he's going to earn that all star. Uh, yeah, that all star bid. Uh, should we exactly. get rid of the? Uh, okay, so the NBA has adjusted the all star game, right? We have the pick teams now thing, which I, I think has uh, worked and is fairly interesting. You know, back in the day, we remember the the actual all star ballot that you punched out when you came to the game. You know, that was kind of cool and unique or whatever. Now it's all about retweets and mentions and hashtags and all this weird stuff. Should we just just get rid of the fan voting? Does it really even matter? Is it really generating any interest? I, I mean, you make a great point, Ben. Clay, Clay Thompson's on here? What? Right. What? I don't know. Should we scrap it, Coach? Yes. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I, I'm for scrapping it. I think it's it was fun while it lasted, and I, and I was one of those guys, you know, as a kid, I would go in and, and vote the straight jazz ticket, right? Like a Republican or a Democrat. I would just punch it didn't matter who was playing for the Jazz. Oh, John Crotty? Yeah, he deserves to be Blue there. Edwards, here's your vote for the All-Star Blue game, Edwards, buddy. Theodore Blue, a vote for you. <laughs> Tim Lacombe is with us uh, here on 97.5 and, uh, and 1280 The Zone. Uh, Coach, what do you make of the rest of this road trip? We've got a back-to-back Friday, Saturday, and then Detroit, who certainly is uh, unspectacular. But uh, what do you think the chances of coming back from this one undefeated are? I'm going to take it a game at a time. I know that's uh, that surprises you because I do coach speak from time to time, but you really you have to because you don't know what's behind the door. And I mentioned last night it's like let's make a deal. Um, you know, you you kind of think you know what's going to going to come out in the night before, but I mean, last night we were waiting for Ben's tweets to see who was actually going to play, right? Um, so I just particularly feel like Benda did said I, I it's intriguing to me and it's fun and I think um the side story here is you know last night it was Bojan that just absolutely went crazy um had one of those just massive games we said in the pregame you know we, we likened it to when the Jazz played the Timberwolves and who's going to be the Malik Beasley who's going to get more opportunity and, and really make it pay um, so that's to me that's what's intriguing. I do know this: the Jazz, the Jazz team will compete no matter who's out there. Um, it was fun to see him win without Rudy and see him uh, figure out a way to slow down. As crazy as that sounds, but I do believe they did. It wasn't just an onslaught uh, play after play of, of Jokic. So each game is going to be a unique challenge. We'll see who the Jazz have. Um, but you know, my mojo is that I like to watch this team compete. And I think uh, whoever is going to be out there will make it interesting. Well, Coach, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for jumping on with us. I look forward to yet another weekend together. Yeah, I've got uh, Friday and Saturday all blocked out for you, dude. All right. And I just hope we laugh as hard as we did last night. It was fun last night. Laughter is the best medicine. We're going to have a late one. Might as well laugh about it. I agree with you. That's correct. All right, buddy. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, Coach. Wet banded out. That's our friend Tim Lacombe, my co-host for Jazz pre, half, and post-game coverage. You're Joe Pesci, and he's he's Daniel Lloyd. Is that his name, Daniel Lloyd? I think it is. Is what what is particularly Pesci about me? Mm, you're shorter than he is. I am shorter than he is. Not by much, though. I'm not short and stocky like Joe Pesci. C- Christopher Lloyd? No, that's not it. It's Daniel something. Daniel Stern. There it is. Daniel Stern. I'm mixing up all my names. Yeah, Daniel Stern. The the uh, Celtic pride guy. Yes. Classic. Uh, I do like with the jazz right now, if you want to have a criticism of Quinn Snyder, 
he's pretty rigid in the guys he plays. He plays one of the tighter rotations in the NBA. Now, most teams, correct, as an argument with the Jazz, play nine guys in their rotation. And Quinn Snyder brings that up regularly. It's pretty standard. Nine guys is who you play. However, a lot of coaches find ways to mix in a 10th guy, an 11th guy, a Bones Highland, whoever you saw last night, was even getting minutes kind of early in the season when Denver was young. Because there's enormous value to putting your young players out there when there's not just three minutes to go in a 40-point game. There is value to saying, hey, Trent Forrest, Jared Butler, Yudoka Azabuki, whoever you are, we're going to put you out there with four other starters because what does that do? makes your life easy. But it also gives you a real taste of format, foundation, the way the team functions, real competition. We're going to let you recognize what the structure actually feels like of an NBA game, where a 40-point game with three minutes to go, you might be looking to make sure he's passing, you may be looking to make sure he's actually defending, but that is not necessarily going to be a realistic representation of what it's like to play in an NBA game, where when the Jazz were suddenly shorthanded, at small forward, they had to play Royce O'Neal against the Washington Wizards a few years ago, and he goes in, and when he's playing next to Donovan Mitchell and Ricky Rubio and Rudy Gobert, he looks like he can play the part. So with these injuries the Jazz are facing, all of a sudden you have to play Rudy Gay real minutes at the five, or you have to put Doke out there for stretches with other starters, and you recognize, hey, there's, there's opportunities for him to catch lobs when Mike Conley's attacking the rim versus Jared Butler or Trent Forrest attacking the rim or he's playing next to you know Royce O'Neal who can hit him on the short roll versus Elijah Hughes who's looking to shoot every time he touches the ball there's value in that so if you have a criticism of Quinn Snyder it might be that he's rigid in not playing his young players just to mix them in with the starting lineup to develop them at points and right now he doesn't really have a choice and I thought it was actually pretty fun to watch yesterday I do too I I I agree with that. I, I was excited for Doak. Got out there and he, I, I felt like he made the most of an opportunity given the circumstance. Yeah. I thought it took a lot of guts to go out there and do it too. He, he so I give a, him a lot of credit. Oh, that was as tough a situation as basically any player I can remember being forced into that's actually been in the NBA. Now the Jazz played, was it the Timberwolves the other night? and Or was it Portland the other night? And they literally signed a guy that morning. And then he played 18 minutes against Rudy Gobert. Okay, that's impossible. That's not really fair to do. He doesn't know the system, and he doesn't know how to play against Rudy Gobert. Doak, considering the last two seasons, he didn't get a summer league with the Jazz his first year because it was the the pandemic. Actually played pretty good in the summer league this year, but has dealt with two somewhat significant injuries that have kept him out at least a month both times with that ankle. Doesn't play since November 26th, and when he comes back, he doesn't. he's not a backup. He's thrown in the starting lineup against Nikola Jokic. That's about as tough a situation as you can find yourself in. They threw him out there, and he, was, he did an admirable job. The Jazz were only outscored by 8 points in 15 minutes while he was on the floor. Now, if that was 30 points, if, that, if he had to play 30 minutes, the Jazz would have lost that game. But you didn't need him to play 30 minutes. You needed him to play 15 and start to allow Rudy Gay to not pick up foul trouble early in the game. And that's what he did, and I thought he did a very admirable job. And ideally, that's what the G League's for, right? Developing those players? Correct. Just to like get you a sense of how to run, how to be on I the get floor. It. I get it, but I get Coach Snyder's perspective, too. I, I think there's both. And the Jazz yeah. are trying to compete at a higher level. I do think finding opportunities to mix those guys in is beneficial when you do find yourself shorthanded. Okay, I can come along with that. But they're not going to help you win games. Not now, anyway. Correct. Which is probably Coach Snyder's rationale, I would guess. But again, it's like it goes back to my argument of you want to be more versatile than you necessarily want to have the best net rating in the NBA. 
Net rating's great. That's fine. You average over 100 points, you, or over 100 possessions, you outscore guys by 10 points a game. You know, 12 points per 100 possessions. That's fine. That's fun to look at. I really don't care what your net rating is. You know what I care about? Your wins and losses. It's the only stat that matters in basketball. And if you beat a team with a net rating of plus .01, but you win every game, and your net rating is plus .01, it's better than going 50 and 32 and having a net rating of plus 50, because when you win, you blow, you blow teams out, and when you lose, you lose by one point. Like, the wins are what matters, and that's what you've got to do. So, looking at the Jazz, looking at that type of thing, having more versatility, having different ways to win more games is more beneficial than blowing out the wins that you do win. All right, we'll have the top three stories at kslsports.com coming up next. Stay tuned. Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. What time is it? It's half past the hour and time to talk Utah Jazz. Oh, Donovan! This is your Jazz at 30 update. Ring the 30-point bell. Jazz at 30 update. The Jazz with a big win last night over the Nuggets, 115-109. to 109. Boyan Bogdanovich, 36 points. 13 rebounds, also four assists. Here's him talking about his hot shooting of late. I mean, like I said before, I'm just trying to be aggressive. The Mike and, and, and Donovan are looking for me as well because they can feel it, that I'm in a good mood and in great shape. I mean, I just feel great. I'm, I'm trying to be aggressive and do whatever it's like to win the games. This update is brought to you by Five Star Painting. Uh, re- refresh the inside or outside of your home with Five Star Experience with Five Star Painting. They've got the time, skills, and tools. FiveStarPainting.com. That's FiveStarPainting.com. Who's got it better than us? No! Sports coverage in Utah. You're listening to Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com. Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson. Jake, I almost got myself in a pickle yesterday. Oh, yeah? What happened? Should we talk about it now? Should we sure. wait to talk well, about it in the next segment? Dive in. I had my first real Zoom faux pas. Uh-oh. So, uh, I don't go on the road with the jazz because I've got a radio no. show I do every morning with you. And... So I jump on the Quincy. In fact, everything, even if you're in Denver or Toronto, it's you're, on Zoom now. everything's on Zoom. So I jumped on the Quinn Snyder phone call. And he he talks like an hour and 45 minutes before the game. And I was on Zoom. And I record it. I record it in my phone. I write an article about it generally, whatever. Uh, I put a different, on my desktop, on my computer, I just brought up my internet page. And I was writing and working on that. And I didn't realize that I left my Zoom call up for the jazz PR people without turning my camera off. Now, my desk at home where I work is in my bedroom. So I allowed myself to be live streamed in my room for just the jazz PR people, which includes Derek, Danny, Olivia, I mean everybody. And I just allowed myself to be broadcast there for 90 minutes before game time <laughs> in my bedroom leading up to uh, the jazz tip-off. Now, luckily, my biggest faux pas was that I ate tortilla soup rather aggressively on the camera. 
but I did find myself being broadcast for people privately in my room that I didn't remember that uh, there was a so camera. You just left me. it on. You just left I it just up. I just left the Zoom call up. Which generally they end up using because they end up recording their hit with Quinn Snyder that they do on TV broadcast right after our call. He yeah. kind of even just hangs out in the room and then they get Bowler Jack on and they record it. And I was a part of that call, but I didn't realize it because I muted my computer immediately after and I brought up my desktop. So there's video of me really aggressively eating. And I've been accused of taking too big of bites when I eat. So there's video of me eating huge bites of tortilla soup that was uh, going over the Zoom broadcast. So luckily... It wasn't anything worse than that, but you can see how that could have been disastrous. Well, luckily, Ben, you're you and not a legal analyst at CNN. Correct. Yeah. Tubin. Yeah. <laughs> We're lucky that you're just a normal, a just normal the, dude that likes that tortilla soup. The most soup. exciting yeah. thing about my day last night was after Quinn Snyder talked, I was going to eat me some tortilla soup. Hey, I like tortilla soup. It's I don't, I don't really good. You. you can see how I was eating it yesterday, how much I liked yeah. it, too. See, you're, you're fortunate that you're a normal guy, Ben. That could have been bad. It could have been... So much could have been bad. Could have been so much. Could have been bad. I'm very grateful it did not. All right, it's time for your top three stories at kslsports.com. Brought to you by our friends at Jay Brooks Jewelers. Let's get things started. Go ahead there, Megan. Number one David Blitzer and Ryan Smith Entertainment Group purchase Real Salt Lake. Yeah, it took a while, Ben. Major League Soccer has been in control. Um, this has kind of been rumored for a couple of months now. Not the Ryan Smith uh, part of it, no. which, which kind of took me by surprise yesterday, but uh, that this ownership group was going to buy it. I think Ryan being involved is a real positive for the community because it kind of, I think, is an additional anchor for that franchise to stay here. Uh, correct. That's probably the biggest part of the storyline for local fans if you're talking about local interest. Now, the team being sold matters. Certainly nice to be under new ownership that has some sports experience, understands what that takes, the type of investment it takes to win, uh, and not just financially, just like the emotional investment you have to have being around the team, wanting to see the team succeed. That stuff all matters. It's not just about developing property and land and, and kind of the things that comes with, with that aspect of it, which actually will probably benefit RSL in the long run. But then to have Ryan Smith come in and be a part of it and anchor it here in Salt Lake City or anchor it here in Utah with someone who cares about this community the way Ryan Smith clearly does is going to be beneficial. And I actually think one of the things Ryan Smith probably wants to do, I would imagine that he doesn't get to do as much with the Jazz, is I bet you he wants to be a little bit more experimental. I bet you he's willing to try different things because of his tie to the tech industry, how they can use different technologies to improve fan experience, on the field experience, how the players play, etc. Those things are probably easier to work with in MLS than they are in the NBA, which is a much stronger bureaucracy okay. and harder to fight against. I bet you he actually does some really fun things with RSL because of those ties. Well, I like it because as a Utah, and uh, I think, you know, in the sports community, the more success stories you have, uh, really the better for the future of sports in this community. So I'm certainly cheering for, uh, for RSL from that standpoint. But the infrastructure that's been built here, there's been significant investment, not just from the franchise, but from the community as a whole. And I always think it's weird that, like, the Great Western Forum is just this big, empty building that hosts one event a year. Yeah. I mean, we built a beautiful soccer stadium yeah. down in Sandy. I mean, Which is funny. It kind of felt far out south when we were building it. Oh, and it's now perfect. it's basically centrally located yeah. among the Wasatch Front. It's, it's perfect. Yep. It, 
I still think maybe they would have been better off at the fairgrounds. Maybe that's me holding on to an old opinion that I had. But nonetheless, I think it's sure. worked out beautifully. Uh, they have the, the academy and the you know all the infrastructure and time, money, attention, effort that have gone into building the soccer community here. Because, you know, say what you will about Deloitte. That was kind of his – he wanted to make this a soccer town, a hub of – the soccer community, soccer is big amongst the the youth here. We, of course, it's been talked about for years. Have like the highest youth participation rate in the sport in the entire country. I mean, it was kind of this this vision, and I get it. I think it's cool. And if it were to, if the franchise were to move and it would be abandoned, that would be a waste of time and money, but also a real shame. I think it's a shame that we lost a WNBA team. Still, I mean, I think that's still a black eye on our. Our state as a sports fandom because we could support a WNBA team very easily. Uh, there is a a desire to have sports and diverse sports in the state of Utah. And by diverse, I don't mean just because it's women. I mean just more than the NBA and more than MLS. Like we're dying to get an MLB team or an NFL team. And we could have really supported a WNBA team. And in fact, I wouldn't be surprised when you look at the teams that win championships in the WNBA, like Minnesota, if we could have had a legit legacy team here, you know, a a contender for a long time in Salt Lake City because of the support that was going there. And, you know, I mean, BYU has a terrific women's program right now. If you're talking about local talent that you could have, you know, kept an eye on and, and watched it build. So I think that's a black eye. So I'm with you. If we had lost RSL to an outside buyer, the way they even lost the Monarchs, right? Is the. No, the, the Royals. The Royals, you're right. Excuse and they're me. coming back. That's part of the news yesterday. Yes, they're yeah. going to be coming back. That's awesome. So I think building, in a, building up the sports scene, supporting it, I think is great. And Ryan Smith has done a really good job of doing that. And hopefully Blitzer does a nice job too. Yeah. I. I We've said this a number of different times, but uh, yesterday was a good day for RSL. A really good day for for RSL. Yep, totally agree. All right, Megan. Number two. Antonio Brown waved by the Bucks. He gone. He's gone. Now, there's a bunch of stories out there. There's uh, a he said, she said type thing going on. Antonio Brown basically saying, uh, I was hurt. They knew I was hurt. They told me to go into the game. I told them I was hurt. They said, uh, that's it, we're through. Do you have the statement pulled up? Uh, I do. Here's, uh, here's what the Buccaneers said. Quote, and brace yourself, this is a long one. <laughs> While Antonio did receive treatment on his ankle and was listed on the injury report the week leading up to Sunday's game, he was cleared to play by our medical team prior to the start of the game, and at no point during the game did he indicate to our medical personnel that he could not play. We have attempted multiple times throughout the week to schedule an evaluation by an outside orthopedic specialist, yet Antonio has not complied. Maintaining the health and wellness of our players is uh, of the utmost importance to our organization, unquote. And that's only part of the statement, the first part, where they talked about actually releasing him, I left off, but that's the gist. You know, I, I like your take that the longer the statement is, the more likely they're trying to cover something up. Because they're trying to address so many details that when eventually this thing goes to court or whatever, however they want to they, they, they you know, settle this disagreement on, on why he was playing or not playing, they are already trying to lay the groundwork for their argument. Which means that they think Antonio Brown actually might have a pretty convincing argument going the other direction that I was hurt, I told you I was hurt, I told you I couldn't play, and then you kicked me off the field. Now, the two problems are, the way Antonio Brown handled it was stupid. Pulling your jersey off to make a show of yourself on the road and walking off in the, what, third quarter or whatever it was. It hurts your case. It yeah. hurts your case. Yep. And he is a guy who's already hurt his own case so many times that he really doesn't deserve the benefit of the doubt anymore. 
That's the problem with Antonio Brown, whereas Arians and the Buccaneers, who are coming off a Super Bowl championship, which just gives you a little bit of leeway anyways when it comes to, hey, the program's being run well if they're good enough to win a Super Bowl, they don't need to prove that. Antonio Brown needs to prove that he's not the fool here, and he didn't help his case at all in this situation. But I do agree that clearly the Buccaneers feel a little concerned that maybe he has an argument, and that's why they're coming out and trying to get ahead of this thing. And I have no doubt that there's more to the story because there always is. Yes. But this is this is one of the very delicate issues in sports is player health and who can play and when and what goes into them playing. You know, I, I even cringed at Aaron Rodgers talking about his healthy toe saying, well, I didn't have to get a painkiller shot. Doesn't that make you cringe? Right. Like you're getting painkiller shots every game just to play? I mean, you know, it's this weird... This weird area that players and management and ownership and coaches all have to navigate. It takes an incredible amount of trust, and it's hard because different players' threshold for different things is totally different. But I do believe in the NFL, it happens all the time. Whether you better get out there and play hurt, yes. or you're not going to be on the team anymore. And this is a circumstance we just happen to notice because he's a high-profile player, whereas this goes on all the time. It is a major red flag that they felt like they had to address this issue or release this major statement because really all you have to say in the NFL because there's no guaranteed contract is we've waived Antonio Brown. Like that happens every single day you wave somebody and you wave good players. Good players get waved all the time because they're hurt. You could have just said, we waved Antonio Brown. They didn't need to say anything else about it. And then when they need to make a statement, if it goes to you know if it goes to arbitration or whatever the you know whatever the terms are of of where they go out and fight over whether this money deserved or not then you can release it but you don't even need to make it public i think they've shot themselves in the foot by doing you make a great point because organizations all the time think they can control the message the truth is you can't but the good news is for you is it goes away fast this story would last if if the Buccaneers did what you said and just said, hey, we're waving Antonio Brown, yep. period, end of story. This story would go away by Saturday. No, it'd go away by Sunday because they'd talk about it on the game yep. and then that would be it. Correct. But now it's going to be this whole long thing because it's going to be controversial because they just didn't let it disappear. Right. And now it's going to haunt them throughout the playoffs. And in fact, if they don't have somebody catching the ball in the you know, conference championship game, they're going to say, well, Antonio Brown, when they could have just waved him and moved on. And it didn't it. have to be a big deal. But you're right. They've they've ingrained Antonio Brown into the conversation forever. But that is the dangerous part of dancing with Antonio Brown. Sure. You know, the Raiders are still talked about with Antonio Brown, unfortunately. Like, you are, that becomes a part of your history now because he is so outlandish and so loud, it's hard to ever get away from it. It's because that Raiders thing was such a disaster. Like, way more than a disaster than this, yes. honestly. Oh, and, the, and the Bucks are handling it terribly. But right. remember, the Raiders held on to him just long enough that they had to pay him, and then they got rid of him? Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing that the Steelers kept him under wraps for and nine years. they traded a yeah. lot to get him in the first place. Yes, they did. It is amazing that the Steelers, I don't want to say kept him under wraps because that sounds so nefarious, but kept him in line? Yeah. Kept him out of the news, whatever that means. For whatever reason, whether well, that was his doing or not entirely, but for the most part, they kept him focused on football. For the most part. For the most part. All right. Up next. Number three. The Utah Jazz won their 10th straight road win with a shorthanded victory over the Denver Nuggets. Very interesting game. Jazz adapted well. They played well. Bogdanovich played well. Uh, career high. What? Uh, 13 rebounds for him? His fourth career double-double? Third. 
He's had two in the last four games. I know. He's only I had think three ever. I thought it was four. My guy Tyson Ewing sent this to me. Hang on. Hang on. Hold the phone. Uh, no, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. I know what I'm doing. I know, do how know how to use stathead.com. I, I don't know why I'm doing that. I subscribe I only, to stathead.com for all only, my stats. I only read this last night, so you think, you know, the, the short-term memory suffers, Ben. And it suffers. Quick but yeah, pretty amazing. He played great. He was a player of the game for sure, and uh, he stepped up when his team needed it. Um, I, I wouldn't have thought the Jazz would have a chance if Donovan Mitchell didn't have a, a real electric night, which he did not. And they did a nice job with their game plan against Nikola Jokic. I thought... I loved what Quinn Snyder said after the game. He said it was the most unique win of the season. And I agree. And I like unique. I like the different storylines. I like seeing mixed mixed up a lot. You and I have talked about how many... 82 games is a real grind. Especially when you are where the Jazz are right now. Where we know how good they can be. We know they were the best team in the NBA last season during the regular season. They haven't changed much. So it's fair to expect that they are going to be a 55-win team again this season. They're on that pace right now. It only really matters what they do in the playoffs. So you look for any little signs of growth here and there that could say, hey, this will change the outcome of the team when the Clippers go small or whoever inevitably plays them the way every playoff team has played the Jazz over the last couple of years, you look for those moments where there might be growth. And last night looked like a sign of potential growth where Rudy Gay had to play the five quite a bit with Boyan Bogdanovich at the four or Royce O'Neal at the five and Rudy Gay at the four, however you wanted to say those, those minutes were getting doled out. And they actually played extremely well. They actually played really sharp offense against a team in Denver who's a terrible defensive team. They really are one of the worst defensive teams in the league. It was clear watching them last night. And the Jazz exploited that, and I think that was a promising sign. So that was a good sign of growth. It was a unique win, and unique is fun. It's fun to mix in a little bit of flavor to these games every once in a while. So, Ben, there is a just, well, I should say, horrible controversy out there that I found funny. And so we'll do that coming up next. How about that for a team? Yeah, do we think we can do that? Uh huh. It was... One of the worst announcer calls you've ever heard. Yes. One of the worst you've ever heard. Just terrible. Yeah. Like hilariously inappropriate. Yeah. But I think we can play that coming up next. We'll get to that next. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The sports you love. The teams you can't live without. Get a sense of urgency! This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on 97.5 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com. Seven five and twelve eighty. The Zone. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. In fact, we found out uh, a little bit ago we're gonna we're gonna fill in on the first couple of segments for Hanson Scotty. So buckle up, as our guy Bowler would say. We're gonna be around here for a little bit, Ben. So if we're doing it at the beginning, you buckle up in the fourth quarter, which this is the fourth quarter for us. But we're going to overtime. Buckle up for more, Jake and Ben. Nah, we're not that exciting. No, we're really no. Not. We do a ten to noon show. All right, <laughs> so we have to be we have to be somewhat sens. Well, we have to be sensitive with uh, with yeah, this next sure. topic, and people will probably be mad at me for finding this funny, but I do think ultimately I got to say this: it's a giant misunderstanding. Correct, which makes it funnier than it would have been if he were serious, but. It's just a good testament and a good lesson to remember to do your research and don't assume that the obvious is true. This got me last week. I stepped in it last week with Ryan Day. This exact same thing or similar thing happened when I was 
talking about Ryan Day being born on third base, and yes. he was not. Correct. He had a, a very hard upbringing. A hard upbringing. Correct. So, yeah. And actually, I, it was Harbaugh who did it. It was not necessarily you. Me, but I was yes. pilot on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I had this feeling. Let me put it that way. Well, Kevin Porter Jr. of the Rockets uh, hit a big shot last night, and on the Wizards broadcast, um, uh, analyst Glenn Conser made an unfortunate statement. Now, here's the background on this. Kevin Porter Jr. himself had a tough tough upbringing. Very. And his dad um, ended up uh, doing some prison time for gun violence in which he shot a young girl. Shot killed a 14-year-old. Uh, and then himself was uh, a victim of gun violence, I believe. He was killed in a park trying to break up another fight. So... Very serious stuff, and ultimately, gun I, violence is like a part of this his history. I wanted extremely and in a very negative way, obviously. And it is a tragic plague on our society, gun violence. Yes. And I, I will say this: I will certainly treat him with more empathy going sure. forward, knowing this story, which I did not yes. before. And I do find it ironic that the same media guys that are that are blasting this color analyst were also uh, killing Kevin Porter for being a bad teammate and a right. bad guy and all this stuff, not like, which was three his reputation, day, like three days ago. Which was his reputation coming out of USC and then at Cleveland where yes. he didn't pan out originally, which is why he slipped to 30th in the draft, though he's so talented. And then, yes, he remember he left at halftime of the... Rockets last game because he got into a fight with John Lucas. Yes, the assistant the coach. assistant coach. He and Christian Wood, right? Yes. And so, and everybody was raking him over the coals for that. Yeah. And so maybe we should treat Kevin Porter, uh, Kevin Porter Jr. and others for that matter with a yes. little bit more empathy because you never know 100% what's going on. But Kevin Porter's dad... Uh, it had some gun violence in, uh, yeah. Uh, so anyway, listen to. The- well, hold on. We didn't even lay out why or the, where the mix-up is here. Well, hold on. We we'll get to that. Let's mix-up? play it okay. first. Okay. I just wanted to put the the stamp on it that okay. we take this sort of thing very seriously, Correct. and that's Kevin's background. But listen to the call as he hits a big shot against the Wizards last night. What a well-designed play, and um, you got to give credit. Kevin Porter Jr., like his dad, pulled that trigger right at the right time. Boy, that one stung. What a well-designed play. And, um, All right. <laughs> so he said, you've got to give credit. Kevin Porter Jr., like his dad, pulled that trigger right at the right time. You know that Krusty the Clown, the, uh, that's what, yes, (laughs) but that's so bad. And it was universally, as soon as people heard it, it of course went very viral on Twitter. Oh, oh yeah. LeBron, LeBron commented on it. Oh, everyone came after him. LeBron, uh, let me see if I can, I can find LeBron's comments here. Uh, LeBron said, oh, he thought this was cool, huh? Nah, we ain't going for this. Sorry, but this ain't going to fly. Uh, then he said, how insensitive can you be to say something like this? Beat it, man. I pray for you, but there's no place in our beautiful game for you. So do you want to explain how Glenn Consor mixed this up with, with Kevin Porter Jr.? And Glenn has since confirmed this in a statement, by the way. But this is where my mind went. I'm sure it was where you're... There is actually a Kevin Porter that played in Washington and in fact, for the Bullets. Not only is his name Kevin Porter, it's Kevin Porter Sr. Right. 
He goes by Kevin he Porter Sr., the that. guy who played, yes, for the then Washington Bullets, which, yes, the irony of them formally being named the Bullets and changing their name because of gun violence in D.C. is not lost on anybody. So the announcer assumed that they were related and he was talking about his dad shooting the basketball. Now, Kevin Porter Sr. in this case is actually 71 years old. So, And Kevin uh, Porter Jr. came into the league when he was 18. Right. So our guy Glenn uh, Concer is not terrific at math. But that's obviously what happened. Yes. Right? I mean... Yes. He I, assumed his, his dad was the former Washington Bullets player. And I get why LeBron is bent. And I understand why everybody was freaking out about it, but I by no means think that Glenn was was making reference to Kevin's actual father. 100% he was not. And still, it is his job to do better research than that. Okay. Especially sure, fair enough. as the announcer of the Wizards. As if you are the announcer of the Wizards, you need to know if this guy, who was a pretty good player in Bullets history is, in fact, the father of somebody who's playing the way everybody here knew as soon as the Jazz traded for Jay Crowder that his dad, Corey, had played for the Jazz. Jazz. Like, that is a part of your very, very, very basic job when you're doing a broadcast. And certainly don't assume it. Don't assume assume anything on the radio is kind of a lesson you learn extremely quickly. Now, I've had mistakes I've told you about some of the mistakes I've, I've made, made on the air. Sure. Yes. Yeah, I've been there. I got you. And it's easy to like put your foot in your mouth while you're talking on the radio. It really is easy to do because you talk for four hours or two hours or a three and a half hour game 80 times a year. You're just That's 240 hours of radio. You're not going to say everything perfectly. That is a particularly egregious guffaw mistake. And then to have it be that poorly lined up is... It's really tough. Now, Concer uh, personally reached out he did. to Kevin Porter Jr. and his family and said, quote, uh, that he was, quote, unaware that the words I chose to describe the game-winning shot would be in any way hurtful or insensitive, unquote, which I completely believe. Yes. But I, I'm with you, a little malpractice there. Correct. You, you got to know that for sure. Correct. And it's, it's an all-time bad call. It's an all-time horrible, horrible call. Can we hear it again? I laughed. I'm not running the show. I laughed so hard. I'll admit it. It's, I mean, it's so hilariously inappropriate, right? It, it can be funny. Am I a terrible person for laughing and wanting to hear it again? If Megan can get it queued up, Jeez. we'll play it again. It's like absolutely saying the, the worst thing that you could Correct. possibly say. Absolutely the worst thing. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't get any worse. I had a moment over the holidays where I put my foot in my mouth when yeah. I was visiting a friend. Yeah. Nowhere near this. Correct. Well, this is all time bad. And again, you're broadcasting to thousands of people, so that is the worst part of it. And everyone on social and media is going to pick it up and run with it. You got it, Megan. Okay. All right. What a well designed play, and um, you got to give credit, Kevin Porter Jr. His dad pulled that trigger right at the right time. The verbiage, oh. the verbiage he used is particularly poor. Too. Oh, so bad! Oh, so bad! Like the number of things you could have said to describe that call comes up clutch, just like his dad hits a big shot, just like his dad comes up when they need him, just like he said. So many things you could have said about a basketball player, but to yes, use a word Those in words? trigger specifically, which is. 
such an allusion to something that is unrelated to what he thought he was talking about. You just basically couldn't get any worse. Well, we'll have a What's, we'll have an update on this tomorrow. I, he's either going to get fired or he's going to get suspended. I don't think he should be either. It's obviously a mistake. Correct. It's but just it a, a mistake horrible, you can't make. horrible it is a mistake coincidence. You can't make. Okay, fair enough. Maybe so. suspension. If the yeah. guy gets fired, I, that that seems like a I bet like he gets suspended. Overreaction to me. Yeah. Use that verbiage. Wasn't it? It's so bad. Wasn't it a Wizards play-by-play guy, too, who was talking about Ben Simmons, who basically challenged him and said, oh, he's a terrible basketball player. He was their TV guy. Was it? Came out and said, they've kind of just, they must have said, and look, again, Glenn Consor wasn't here to turn up the heat and try and be controversial. He was not trying to be controversial here. He was trying to make an apt comparison to a guy who he thought was Kevin Porter's father, and yes. it was not. But it was the Wizards, I think, TV play-by-play guy who just went after Ben Simmons being a terrible basketball player and called him that on the air. And Ben Simmons like was very mad about it because, of course, people brought it up for him after, uh, after the game. I'm sure they did. Always seems to come up, doesn't it? Do your research. Yeah, that's a Make tough sure one. you turn you're, your you're, Zoom call off. Make sure you uh, your Jay your Crowder. Your Jay Crowder point was is the best one. Is we knew day one that he was Corey Crowder's son, and about five people remembered Corey Crowder actually played for the Jazz, Correct. and yet that was one of the, if not the, leading storyline yeah. of him coming to this uh, this roster. Is he's playing where his dad did? Yeah. We all knew about that as soon as he came here. Yes. So that's a really good point. Yeah. Put in the work. Put, put in the work. Put in the or, work. This is what that's or a Or at very for. least, just don't assume anything. Just say. Correct. Good shot. Yeah. 100%. Good shot. Yeah. Kevin. Great shot. Win in. Good for you. Next play. Or how about this? Analyze. You know? Say, boy, the form was good. Yeah. Did you see the screen that got him open? Very nice. This is what happens when you run the floor. Make big plays for your team. A lot of ways he could have gone. A lot of ways he could have gone. Oh, so cringeworthy. <laughs> So bad. All right, stay tuned. We're filling in for uh, Scotty G, at least for a couple of segments. Coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.